Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. And we want to jump on today and talk about the recent attempts or and the recent smashing of the half marathon world record over the weekend um, over in Copenhagen. And we just want to talk through some of the factors that might have contributed to to being able to break a world record and put up a time of 58, uh, 5801 over the half marathon. So would you just want to take us through, um, I guess, maybe the, the key components of endurance and then how they, they relate to a half marathon attempt? Yeah, so right, right the way back to the first ever blog I wrote, yeah. uh, link it in there. Seven core components of successful endurance performance. I'm going to add an eighth one, but I'll talk about it in a sec. So, uh, overview, VO2 max is one, lactate threshold is another, economy, so running economy, moving economically. Uh, we had um, muscle fiber types, slow versus fast switch fibers. We had heat load stress and dehydration. There was recovery, nutrition, nutrition, and I'm going to add psychology or motivation as well. So let's go through the ones that maybe are less important and talk about the ones that are. So um, it was 16 degrees, is that right, Tyler? It's 16 odd? Predicted. Predicted yeah. 15, 16 degrees. We're looking at a Kenyan runner. Heat, heat load stress isn't going to be a problem, okay? We had a sweat. He's not going to be dehydrated over 58 minutes. Um, so I'm not too, too concerned about dehydration uh, or heat load stress, okay? He wore... Singlet and shorts, a yeah, lot of lot of standard. exposed skin. Not a really hot day. Obviously, it is going to be a factor, but it's not going to be uh, thermoregulation. The body should be able to cool itself down mm. pretty well. Um, what else isn't too important? I'm not going to say nutrition is overly important for 58 minutes. Uh, most people have between 90 and 120 minutes to store glycogen, so you can go flat flat knacker for that whole time. Um, so nutrition is not going to be too important in that respect. What else we got? Um, recovery, obviously, yeah, we would assume he's done a really good taper. He's, yep. he's peaked for an A race. So if he's done the, the taper properly, he should be well recovered. Um, let's talk about our muscle fiber type. This is probably an important one. So he's very skinny, very lean. There's not much extra on him. That's going to be largely due to genetic factors of being slow twitch dominant. Those slow twitch muscle fibers aren't prone to hypertrophy and, and to growth. So... It's very likely that he was born with a large percentage of slow twitch muscle fibers in his in his legs. I'm going to estimate around 75, 80% be up there. Um, the thing with muscle fibers is we can't change them. You either got fast genetically, you got fast twitch type 2A. You've also got these intermediate fibers called 2B. Uh, sorry, 2B are the fast. Sorry, the really fast one. 2A are the intermediate, and then you got slow twitch type 1. So you can't change your type 1. And you can't change your 2B. So you're really fast and you're really slow. They're pre. You can't change this. It's not yeah. possible. Those 2A fibers you can. Uh, they don't necessarily change, but they start to express characteristics of, of, of one or the other. So if you do a lot of endurance training, they're going to go to slow twitch characteristics. So more towards that that side of things. If you do fast training, sprinting, so on and so forth, anaerobic style stuff, it'll go to the to the 2B. So he's probably already got like 80 odd percent of slow twitch, yeah. and then maybe he's got. 5-10% of the intermediate and they're also going towards slow twitch. So those slow twitch fibers, that they, they're resistant to fatigue, um, they have a lot of oxidative enzymes for the aerobic glycolysis system, all that sort of stuff, uh, got good triglyceride fat stores and all that. So that's going to be a, a key component. So you can't, it doesn't matter how fit you are, if you don't have the genetics as well, yep. uh, you're not going to be able to do a 58 or, or anywhere close yep. to that. So he's got good fast twitch fibers, sorry, good slow twitch fibers. Um, Kenyans generally have larger Achilles tendons, same with like Jamaicans and that, they've got large Achilles tendons, so he's got good leverage, which kind of comes into running economy. We'll talk about that now. So a running economy is essentially being able to uh, run as fast as possible using the least amount of oxygen. Okay, so he wore the, the next percenters, which are the yeah. four and a bit percent yeah. uh, economy boost. So he's got good footwear on. 
Uh, he looked pretty economical, good good stride length, uh, foot plant underneath the centre of mass, pushing backwards. There's no braking forces coming out in front, so uh, he's got pretty good running economy, which complements VO2 max and our and our lactate threshold. So uh, VO2 max, obviously the maximum amount of oxygen you can take in transport, utilise. It gives you the engine size, V4, V6, V8. Uh, I don't think anyone's seen numbers on that. It'd be pretty high VO2 max, yeah, I would have thought. Couldn't but haven't found anything just yet. It's but... rare for the for the elites to share that information. So you've got a really good VO2 max. So let's say he's done all that aerobic style training, long, slow, um, high intensity intervals, that sort of stuff, really big engine V8, and he'd have a phenomenal lactate threshold as well. So most people hold about 70% at their threshold, they can hold that for the hour. Uh, he'd be somewhere up around 90 to 95%, so that's through training as well. Uh, does that tick it off? What do we got? So we got VO2 max done. Psychological is probably the only other one. Cool, lactate done, economy done, they're really the three core ones, plus mm. genetic factors such as the fast twitch and slow twitch fiber. Ratio, uh, yeah, psychological is, is going to be huge for endurance athletes. Obviously, we need to um, be motivated. I say it's just optimal arousal, essentially. So uh, he, you would assume he was pretty motivated doing a 58. It's 245, 244 pace, so it's pretty quick. Came off the back of his, one of the paces for Kipchoge's effort as well. So he just came off the back of that training block ready for his to pace the two-hour marathon effort. Um, That's soon, isn't this, it? So, yeah, so only a couple of weeks. So this is pretty much his, his lead-in for it, I guess, but... Had his own crack at a world record. Yeah, should just put them side by side. Yeah, <laughs> could, be, could be interesting. I reckon they could both probably do it. Um, that's a story for another day. So, yes, yeah, psychological stuff. That's just getting ready. Um, well rested, you would hope. Uh, he might be. He might be listening to music before if he wants to get pumped up, or maybe he's already nervous, so he actually doesn't listen to music or he listens to slow music. He use visualization of, of of crossing the finish line in a world record time if that was his goal at the time. Mm. Uh, but essentially, when psychological factors are just being motivated to, to put yourself in the pain cave and, and hurt the whole way um, and work through it. So they're, they're pretty much it. So I guess in summary of, of the, the physiological aspects, it's, it's more the, uh, it pretty much is his physiology. It's, it's genetics and his physiology and a little bit of psychological stuff because we're not too overly concerned with that nutrition aspect because it's only 58 minutes. Hydration should be fine. He's well acclimatized. The environment's a lot warmer than what he was in. Um, and you'd anticipate that he was well recovered, so that's essentially it. Yeah. Without just just something to touch on on the nutrition side of things, I know we sort of ticked that off as not one of the most important factors, but it was sort of reported that he did take did take a bottle out halfway through the race. No one really knows what was in the bottle just yet, but compared to pretty much everyone else in the field who didn't take anything, why do you reckon there might be a reason in terms of is there a need for elite guys, maybe or or the average age group to take anything during throughout a half? marathon effort at all like is it would it be required in a different environment day hotter day um to take fluid on or would you be looking to get some sort of carbs in because the average age group is probably going to take close to what just over the hour hour and a half yep maybe a bit longer does it how much does that then change or what might he be able will be trying to achieve by taking one one quick bottle halfway through yeah, I mean, in the circumstance of, of, of him doing 58 minutes, I, I would anticipate, I don't know what was in there. Yeah. You're not going to hurt yourself by taking on any sort of fuel, as long mm. as it sits well with the guts and it doesn't slow you down while you're drinking it. I mean, the, the, the pros are going to be pretty good at, at maintaining pace while yeah. they do that. But in terms of, of this circumstance, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, you will sweat a little bit, so it's not going to hurt to replenish a little bit of fluid and electrolytes. Um, I don't think it's necessary to take on carbohydrates in, in, in an events under an hour. But as you said, obviously age groups that are doing an hour and a half, well, that's getting Probably close to that. Yeah, of course, mm-hmm. that's getting close to, to running out of those glycogen stores depending on your on your body mass. So yeah, for the for the average Joe, for sure, if it's over an hour and a half or over, you definitely would want to take on um, 
some nutrition as well as more hydration because you're running for longer. Uh, if it was a really hot day, then you then like it was a 35 degree day in high humidity, then we dehydration could come into play. In effect, obviously, even in an hour, like we've done sweat testing with yep. athletes and what losing up to 1.8 kilos, um, which is um, well, essentially yeah, 1.8 yeah, liters, not, not in, in an super hour. hot conditions. Yeah, well. really just in whatever out. it is, you know, 20 odd degrees and, and yep. not a lot of airflow. So definitely, if it was a really hot and humid day, hydration would be important. But still, the nutrition side for under an hour wouldn't be, it wouldn't be essential. I say you're not going to lose out by doing it, but it's kind of just a step that I personally don't think you need. But if you, if you if you start to feel flat, then yeah, of course, yeah. you know, that's going to help as well. Bit of a glycogen hit. Yeah, probably the last thing to touch on, we saw sort of talking about before with, with Tyler as well, about the, the course seemed reasonably sort of open bends, no tight turns, which obviously helps probably lock in with the running economy side of things. Bit of a headwind at the start though. How would that change? I guess, obviously, we put it on a different course, tighter turns, um, you have a more aggressive wind or different direction of the wind. Is that going to change too much of running economy or what what he's potentially going to do in the race i mean it could i mean wind wind at the start along with a mass start is you're going to be going out pretty quick to start with so um anticipating him having a high uh, lactate threshold would be really important in that aspect because he can go to the red zone and a bit beyond and not be too tight um if he's got headwind in it could affect his stride length so he might need to take uh he might need to take smaller steps potentially to keep that that the feet underneath the center of mass because um, it's harder to get through. Um, what else Might we got? Might be leaning a bit further forward, pushing into Could the be. breeze, allows him to get a bit further forward yep. than usual. Using gravity, yep, yep, yep. could be doing that. Um, in terms of tight turns, obviously, if, if you have to slow down and speed up, that's going to be poor for your economy. It's just like yep. driving a car, you're better off cruising along at a constant speed yep. rather than putting the foot on the accelerator on and off. That's going to burn up more energy and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, it definitely would affect it, particularly the bends and the headwind. If it's really strong, yeah, you're yep. going to have to lean in there, make sure you're still hitting that optimal foot plant. Um, making the most of like pacing as well in terms of like a headwind trying to use other runners in front of him because it would have been they all, yep. I assume without watching the entire race I assume the all the guys at the front would have been out pretty similar pace and he just would have dropped guys the further and further he got yep. into the race um, what sort of effect does that have even on running we talk about a lot like drafting and cycling being critical from a running perspective yep. yeah yep. yeah. I couldn't give you the exact percentages but it is always easier to, to hide behind somebody yep. Um, none of them are very big, so I don't yeah. know how much protection you would get. But definitely running the group for a little bit for, for aerodynamics, but also the, the psychological aspect as well. It's always easier just to sit behind some. Not always, but generally, it's sit behind someone and sit with the with the pack. So when did he break away? Did we find out when he broke away? Um, I, I think he was, I think he was. It wasn't too, yeah too far. He, I'm pretty sure from what I saw, he broke. I think he broke the 15k best like he best time to at the start like yep. designated to run the first 10k's at a pace they can yeah. and they just would have yeah. yeah so that would help with that headwind yeah so there's pros and cons so you got that yes first 10k's or so you, you got a, a break in the wind the pace makers is, is good because they're going to be a constant pace because that's their yep. job that's their job they're um, off. so even if there was a was there a lot of wind there wasn't that much was it wasn't there? much I think it just said through the first maybe like 5 10k yeah. and then after that it wasn't it was a headwind for that and then after that was wasn't too bad so yeah but flat course otherwise and Open, yeah. so. Look, if there's no wind, it's kind of better to it's potentially better to run by yourself, just in the sense that you can hold a consistent pace. You have got the psychological yeah. factor sorted yeah, out. Surges and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can hold the pace. There's no surges. Um, there's no race tactics and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So you can be as economical as possible because yeah. he could have held. He actually got faster and faster. I think it was like two forty sevens and two forty fives and finished at two forty threes or something like that. Mm. So he got faster. Um, but but he can afford to do that if he's just running inside himself and has no other competition. It yeah. can actually be a benefit as well. Yeah. Um, um, 
Yeah, so I think that's enough in terms of the, the race. Do you want to just quickly talk about what we're doing um, over the next little while in regards to, obviously, it's just broken the world record. We know it's sort of, what, 244, 250, uh, 245 pace, ridiculous yep. pace. Let's have a quick chat about what, what we're doing in um, in the lab here. Tyler did crack it, yep. trying to run at 244 pace. Yeah, day. we're just having a bit of fun. So, um, obviously, we found out yesterday morning that happened. We got Tyler on the treadmill yesterday afternoon, um, or two days afternoon by the time they, they look at this. Yep. And we just put set the challenge to him. So, and to you, to you guys as well, who can run the longest at two forty five pace pace essentially? So, treadies most treadies only go to twenty. So did ours. So we did twenty k's an hour. We found a, an online calculator which which estimated percentage gradient and, and how that correlates to to increase speed. So what we're gonna do is twenty k's an hour on the treadie, two percent incline, run for as long as you can. Essentially, what we're doing is uh, the idea is that you you record it, proof of time and all the rest. Uh, post it up onto Facebook and Instagram, tag us in that. And whoever gets the closest to Tyler's time is going to win one of our new subscription services. So our new subscription service being uh, unlimited testing for 12 months. So whoever gets closest to, we're going to do like who can go the furthest or the longest, but then, you know, you're going to have uh, an elite, somebody who's elite going to obviously do that. Yeah, we've had a few guys who run some pretty pretty quick sort of mid-two marathon times who yeah. would probably give it a fair crack, so we thought maybe closest they would. to. So to include as many people as possible, we're not going to announce what Tyler's time was. We're going to drip feed certain durations of that test, certain parts of that test throughout the next uh, week and a half. So we're not gonna know whether he did, well we already know he's done 90 seconds, because yeah. we posted that yeah, already, that. but we don't know if he got the two minutes or four minutes or six minutes or half marathon, yeah. <laughs> not quite. So uh, the idea is to get as many people involved in that so that everyone has a chance and it's not who's the quickest or who's the slowest, or it's just who can hold that pace for the, the time closest to what Tyler's is. By the competition ends 26, which is Thursday, so a week from when this is released. Um, so we know it's got to be above 90 seconds. We're not sure exactly where yeah. it's going to finish, but the idea is that by the Thursday we'll release the full footage with the time on there as well yeah. so to prove that we're not cheating or whatnot, and we'll announce whoever's close to that, and they'll get a say free 12, 12 months of free testing services and consulting in the yeah. lab. Yeah, absolutely. So jump on, have a crack at it. Uh, make sure you tag us in in your post. We'll be resharing it to see. Who can run? Who can run the longest? Who can run closest to Tyler? And um, who can actually stay on the treadie for for longer than sort of 10, 30 seconds? Because it's pretty quick pace at twenty k an hour at two uh, percent. So that'll do for another episode of Physiology Secrets podcast. Looking forward to seeing some of your attempts uh, at the challenge up on social media. And we'll see you next week when we announce the winner in next week's episode.